Today, I'm extremely excited. You know, I'm always excited, but you know, today, you know, I got a special guest. Uh, he goes by the name of Andre Dre Laroni. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself, give a little background, you know, where he's from, you know, what he does, and just, you know, with, you know, just some f- cool, fun facts. So, Dre, take it yeah, away. Appreciate you having me on, Reg. Um, my name's Andre. Um, I'm from Laurel, Maryland. Grew, grew up there, born and raised. Uh, uh, ended up attending Our Lady of Good Counsel High School. Um, from 2013, oh, I'm sorry, from 2009 to 2013. Yeah. Then uh, from there, I went to University of Virginia on a uh, scholarship to play football. Um, was there for five years, and we'll double back on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we're going to dive <laughs> Some history was there. <laughs> and then um, from there, I had an opportunity to play with the Baltimore Ravens and uh, the Carolina Panthers over the past two seasons. So um, that puts me where I am now. And uh, like I said, I'm just happy to be here. Man, man, that's good, man. One thing, so, you know, one of the things, you know, that I want my viewers to see, you know, is that you have a story, in my, in my opinion, that's one, underrated, because I feel like, you know, and, and your story's still developing, but you you were able to master the art of, you know, changing directions and mm-hmm. pivoting, you know, and not, not everybody is able to do that. And, but not only on this level that you're at now, but on, you know, when you were in, High school, yeah. and college. You know, one thing about me, I do my homework on my guests. So, okay. you know, you know, I know, you know, I didn't dig a little deep, but uh, <laughs> so I mean, I really wanna, I wanna backtrack because I like backtracking. I wanna start in your home, hmm. your upbringing. You know, f- from your parents. You know, I, I, I heard one of the podcasts you said, you know, that you grew up in a household rooted in Christ. Absolutely. You know, and your dad was, you know, very hard on you, you know, but disciplined. But you know, a guy who, st- who still showed tough love. So, kind of talk about your upbringing. Some things like that. So I'll take it all the way back. Um, my family, on my dad's side, he, my great grandfather on my dad's side was an immigrant from Italy, um, and then second generation to my grandfather had a fourth grade education, worked long hard hours at um, shipyards, he, uh, construction, everything, uh, just working with his hands. He was a laborer. Um, so my dad grew up fairly fairly poor. Um, his needs were met. But there wasn't a lot of opportunity yeah. for excess. There's a lot of love in that home, though, and they love the Lord. Um, on my mom's side, she grew up as an army brat. Um, her father was uh, one of the early African American colonels in the United States Army. Um, they, uh, he was a special forces commander of a whole battalion in Vietnam, served multiple tours. Um, so. There's a lot of discipline rooted in my family. Yeah. My father was a Marine, too. Oh, yeah. His brother was in the Army, served in Vietnam. Um, my brother actually served in Iraq as a tanker in the Army. Wow. So I'm the odd man out when yeah, it comes to yeah. military <laughs> service. But, um, yeah, man, it was, it was just a lot of reinforcement about discipline and serving others throughout my time and my upbringing, being humble. Um, I know I come from humble beginnings i come from good stock but i come from humble beginnings um and uh on my on my dad's side a lot of people will see my dad like walk into a room my dad's 6'6 250 he's 60 he's 60 years old and he's still cut up i mean oh he's still jacked he works out like four (laughs) times a week at least wow um and like i said doubling back my dad he um from his father having a fourth grade education my dad grew up um didn't have a lot of opportunities for excess didn't really have a whole t- a lot of time to play sports because he had to be able to work. Um, and uh, he ended up not going to college, went straight into the Marine Corps. When he got out, ended up starting his own business, and he's owned a framing company for over 30 years now. Wow. Um, so he's done well for himself and, for, and been able to provide a great life for our family. Um, and, and the most important thing, though, I, I say all of these things and these success stories that have come out of my family um, – I have a sister. She's a she's a nurse now. She's completed nursing school. She's a full time nurse. Um, I say all of these things about my family and the success that they've shared. It comes from being rooted in Christ. Mm. It comes from knowing that when we hit adversity, we don't hit the floor and weep and cry. We just know that we have to get back to square one 
get in the book, the Bible that we have been provided, <laughs> um, and just and just pray for direction, and um, just understand that adversity is is a blessing at times. It's um, it's a it's a presence that God is re- redirecting your path and He's refining you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's, that's we gotta we got if you can't just say stuff like that on the podcast yes, and just sir. and just cool by, bro. We gotta we gotta back that's dissect. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's dissect that. So you know, um, I'm gonna fast with just a little bit. You know, okay. you went to good counsel. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned some adversity. You faced some adversity. You know, I'm from the DMV. Yeah. I, I was in high school from 09 to 13, so yep. I saw the rain. Yeah. Uh, good counsel for people who don't know. It was like I think my 2011 2012 year. I, I, y'all like number four in the nation, number three, something like yeah, that. Yeah, for the four years I was there, we were we were ranked top ten in the country all four years that I was there. Uh, we won four straight state championships. My my junior year team, we had 21 dudes with Division one offers. Mm. Um, and then that same team from that year, uh, as of last year, there were six of us who were all playing in the league at the same time from that from that one team. So um, it was pretty impressive looking back. I mean, at the time, we're just like, we we all just trying to chase the dream. Yeah, the dream. Yeah. But looking ball back, is life. Ball, <laughs> ball is life. Yeah. Hashtag D1 bound. Yeah, you know? D1 bound. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See you at the combine. Hey, yeah. You went to the combine? Bro, did you run a 4 Bro, you ran a 4-6. <laughs> was it laser? Was it yeah, head yeah, time? Yeah, you know yeah, yeah I mean? bro. You're going D3, bro. What are you talking about? Yeah, man? those days. <laughs> <laughs> those days, man. Um. But yeah, looking back, it's like wow. A lot of guys can't say that that took place at their school. Yes. So it, it is an impressive. Bro, I this is a little side note. We'll get yeah. back to talk about. I always tell people a lot of times. I'm like, bro, you don't understand. Like that good council reign mm-hmm. went, went from 09 to 13 was like next level. You had you had Diggs, yep. Fuller. You know, I, I mean, you know, you can name more of them. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. Had, There's a lot of you know people who were you know uh, really doing it. But you know, I did want to talk about you know one of the things that I heard in your stories that you know. You, you know, you faced some adversity growing up in high school. You know, mm. talk about some adversity that you faced, you know, playing behind, you know, like likes of digs and yeah. stuff like that. So um, when I got to high school, I was, uh, so, so it's funny, K- Kendall, Kendall Fuller, um, that's my, that's been like my best friend since, since I was little till high, till from high school till now. We knew each other when we were little. We actually ran on uh, rival track and field teams. Uh, he ran for Baltimore City Track Club. I ran for Columbia Express. Um, but yeah, when we got the good counsel, I was five foot six, 130 pounds. If, if that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was a real late bloomer. The next year I was maybe five, eight, 155 pounds. You know, I, I was like, and I'm looking at my father, like I said, yeah. six, six, two fifty. like what's going on? Yeah, like, like oh, what's up? you know, yeah. you know what I mean? And, um, I didn't really grow to my junior and senior year. So uh, it, it just took me a while to get my footing. I had always been a really good football player, really good athlete. I played baseball, I ran track when I grew up as well. And I was an accomplished athlete when I was young. Um, and then seeing all of my peers and my friends uh, after the freshman year getting moved straight up to varsity, um, like in the playoffs, and I didn't get moved up. And I'm kind of yeah. like, dang, like, I know I was making plays, but I guess I didn't make enough of a splash yeah. to get that call up. Um, my sophomore year, after like half of that season, I had opportunity to kind of move up here and there. I was playing like on both. And then my junior year, I was really on the varsity team. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that ate at my confidence. It ate at my confidence a bit because here I am. I, I was that kid who just loved football. I still do. But when I was a kid, abnormally unhealthily, my mother would be like, there's other things in the world. Like, yeah, I'd want to wake up in the morning before school when I'm in elementary school, 6 a.m. to watch sports center before I go to the bus. Like, I'm running to the bus late because <laughs> I want to watch the top 10 plays. And uh, I was that kid. So um, with that mentality and the lack of accomplishment early on, uh, it left my um, self-esteem a little bit low. And like I said, I was always raised in a Christian household, but at that age, I knew God, I knew about God, and I knew God, but I didn't have a true relationship with Christ. Mm. Um, So I I can honestly say that I was, to an extent, worshiping football. You know what I'm saying? I was serving football, and through that, I was able to praise God, as opposed to serving God, and through that, reaping the benefits of what football may provide for me. Wow. 
bro. No. I, I need you. I, I need you to look at that camera, <laughs> that camera and, and repeat that, or, or, or dive a little deeper in that. Because one thing, I'm about to cut you off. But one yeah. Thing, one, one thing that you know, we grew up, you know, in, in PG County. Mm-hmm. This is a, a athletic-driven area. Absolutely. You know, people, people who are not from the area don't know that, but like this is, we breed athletes. It's a hub, man. It's, it's so much. <laughs> talent here and a lot of times a lot of my peers me at one point in my life up until my first year of college uh, at North Carolina A&T like I was the same way football was mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. like it was all I thought you know like and what you said was so key because I grew up in a two-parent household as well rooted yep. been going to church all my life involved but it was like it was kind of at one point football got Mm-hmm. You know, and then and God always has a way. At, at some point in your life, saying, "Ah, ah, my friend, you had your fun. <laughs> now it's time to come on back home." You yes, know? sir. You, you know, like it's, yes, you had sir. your fun, and you know, I really want you just to touch on, you know, like how you know how you kind of grew more in Christ. You know, through that through that season of your life. Glad to. Um, the phrase I heard probably more than anything in my household in my adolescent teenage years from my mother and my father is humble yourself, son, or you will be humbled. Mm-hmm. Um, God hates pride. Yeah. He truly hates pride. Um, Cause pride will lead you to do things that are outside of the glory of God. Um, you're looking to seek and serve yourself as opposed to humbling yourself, taking a step back, seeing the needs of others and meeting those. And um, when I was young, my mother would always say, humble yourself. And I'd be like, mom, I'm humble. I'm not running around bragging about how good I am at sports or what I've accomplished here and there. Yeah. I'm humble. I didn't understand that being humble um, didn't mean thinking, being to be humble is to not, is not to think less of yourself, but just to think of yourself less. Mm-hmm. Um, and take yourself out of the situation more times than not and just think, how can I help? How can I evoke change? How can I provide for somebody else? As opposed to thinking about how can this situation benefit me? Um, And as I was able to mature and just parlaying it back into having to sit behind people like uh, Steph and Kendall, who um, who played receiver on our team. And I mean, our team, we literally ran an offense where we ran the ball primarily 90% of the time. Um, so when the ball was thrown, it was usually going to one of those two dudes. Um, so there was a point in time where uh, Steph literally, the coaches weren't playing me, and, like, he came off the field and, like, threw me on the field, like, like just go play, like, because he felt as though I deserved an opportunity, I guess. And um, just seeing people do things like that for you helps you to be humble. Cause yeah. That's, that's somebody – at that point in time, who has a little bit bigger platform than you, yeah, and the they're guy. being humble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, seeing through action like that, um, and constantly, like I said, my, my father just exhibiting from a man, I've been blessed, like you said, from a two parent household to see that structure um, and to see the sacrifices that he's made for our family. Um, like I said, he's a, he's a business owner, and when I was growing up, there wasn't a year in youth football where he wasn't one of the assistant coaches on my team. So he always made time for that. Um, and <laughs> ultimately, just humility, man. Like, yeah. I'm going I'm going back to yeah. humility because yeah. it's just yeah. – That's it's a so, common theme. Yeah. It's so important um, for us to, to not be so concerned about ourselves. And ultimately, you will be more joyful in life if you aren't putting yourself at the center and the crux of every situation. Um, a lot of times when you put yourself in every situation and you're the first thing being thought about, how can I benefit from this? You're putting too much pressure because, um, God says to lean not on our own understanding. <laughs> lean not. <laughs> I tell people to lean not. And a lot of people miss that <laughs> not word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, replace that and it says lean on their own understanding. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, that's what, that's what I got there. Okay. 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 Now, you know, Talk about, you know, one thing that was also interesting to me was, you know, how you got your scholarship to UVA, you know, and how that came about. And then, you know, some of that, you know, journey on your way to UVA. And then we go to the, you know, that's really what I really want to unpack is that that UVA story, because that was just when I heard that, that touched me, bro. I was like, wow, you know, like, 
like the way you just kept persevering, you know, kept persevering through injury, through setback, mm-hmm. you know, through the, you know, the season where you, where y'all weren't doing so well, you know, mm-hmm. so, but before we go there, you know, I do want you to touch on, you know, how you get your scholarship to UVA. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> at Good Counsel, like I said, uh, up through my junior year, I wasn't playing a whole lot. I actually played more defense than I played offense and uh, I, I play wide receiver. So in high school, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll be a safety. Maybe I'll be a corner. Um, and at Good Council, because we had so many recruits, there were coaches walking through the door every day. I mean, like Nick Saban, Urban Meyer. Um, there, there were big schools every day throughout the week. They were always there. So in the spring, we would have like literal combines of our own. The coaches would facilitate. Um, instead of like seven on seven practices on certain days, they'd have like combines where we would run 40s and we'd do one on ones and we do all these drills and, and coaches would be out there and be able to see us. And um, one day, uh, one day UVA is at one of these events and they see uh, me doing one on ones and they're like, well, who, who is this kid? Like, how come he not playing more? The, the, he's buried on the roster and they just understood the talent level on our team. And they were like, we're gonna take a chance on him. And they offered me um, and after that, I went to uh, San Antonio with my teammates, and we went to the Army All-American Combine, and uh, I was named, like, first-team All-Combine receiver throughout the nation at that Combine. Um, I left there and ended up getting, like, the Auburn offer. Um, So I had to kind of be seen off of the game day field. Guys, a lot of coaches would be like, who is this kid? I, I didn't see him on tape yet. But then they would see my stature at that point because I had grown a bit. Yeah. My speed was increasing. Um, and they were very intrigued. So these offers started rolling in. Ultimately, I ended up deciding between uh, University of Southern California, um, Auburn, and UVA as my final three. Ah. And uh, a lot of people were like, okay, why'd you go to UVA from those <laughs> other schools who have more prestigious football history? And for me, like I said, just – my upbringing, how I'm wired, I always want to step into a situation that there may be turmoil in that, and at, at the time, mind you, UVA had just went um, eight and four, went to the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And Mike London, and was, Mike the London was the head coach. I mean, okay. Things were trending upward at the time. So um, back on track, I always love stepping into situations where there is needed help. They're, they're facing adversity, and I can be a part of the solution. Um, I'm a solution-based individual. It's just how, like I said, it's how I'm wired. Yeah. Um, and at these other schools, yeah, there's a platform already established, and they're prestigious, and USC was at the time known as wide receiver U. <clears throat> but I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to go all the way across the country to a place that's already established. What do they need from me? And uh, I heard clear-cut from – coaching staff and just through prayer that I felt like my presence was needed at UVA mm-hmm. um, and that's when I made that decision and at the same time University of Virginia at that time was the number one public institution in the country and since then it's always been a top three yeah so um, it's a 40-year decision not just a four-year it's decision. Not, yeah <clears throat> so wow so that's good and then so just to put in context for my my viewers Dre you came in the you came into school as a freshman in high school, 5'6", 130. And yes, now sir. you stand at what? 6'3", uh, 225. Two, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> like, yeah, that was a, a crazy gross work. Yes, cra- crazy transformation. So just to put that in context for people listening and, uh, and viewing the podcast. But, okay, so now, so now you know, we, we get the offers. You got USC, Auburn. To have USC, bro, that's, that's next level. <laughs> that's a side note. But, uh, On a side note, um, at the in-home visit, my mother's like whispering in my ear, like, "This is awesome, but you know you're not going to California." <laughs> so, it wasn't really even an option. Right. If you, if you went to table. LA, you may not be that rooted. You may not be that rooted. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> hey, look, it's a different world yeah, out it's there. A world. It's we, a different world. We were just talking about there. that before the cameras rolled, but uh, okay. yeah, man, you are who you surround yourself. <laughs> yes, with, so. yes. So, okay, so you know, you got the offer and you commit. You, you sign. You go to UVA. So, you know. This is where the journey, I feel like thus far in your story, where the journey mm-hmm. really gets interesting, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, you face some setbacks at UVA, you know, but you also begin to take on some leadership opportunities, Absolutely. you know, leading the Bible study and then, yeah. getting, you know, getting one of the uh, top players in the country, Bryce Hall, yes, you, know, uh, you know, kind of 
helping him, you know, steer doing his uh, his path to faith, you know. So kind of just, I mean, I don't want to go too deep, you know, but but kind of talk about, you know, some of your experiences at UVA and, and how that shapes you into who you are now. Yeah, so. Um, you can start at the beginning and just work your way through. I had five years there. Year one, um, I came in. Like I said, I had offers to some bigger schools, and I'm like, I'm coming in to make a splash right now. Um, I had a knee injury. To, uh, before I get to that, my senior year in high school, we go out to Las Vegas to play Bishop Gorman first game of the season. It was like number one team in the country versus number three team in the country. Um, and in the third quarter of that game, I break my leg and I miss my whole senior season. Wow. Which was the op- the senior season. Uh, like I said, Steph had graduated. It was just going to be me and Kendall out on the outside playing receiver. And that was really going to be my opportunity to break to out. really break out and show people, okay, it's not just the camps. Like, this is how the, this guy can play. My teammates and coaches had seen it in practice, but it was going to be my chance to show it in the game. And that was a bone-crushing, spirit-crushing moment for me because I'm like, I have waited four years for this, yeah. and now I'm put on the back burner again. So, again, fast forward to college. Freshman year, I'm healthy. Training camp, mess my knee up. And I missed the majority of my freshman year, end up redshirting at the end of that year. Um, in that year, it was pivotal because I met um, George Morris, who was our FCA rep and team chaplain there. For FCA, people who don't know, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, and George, while I was there, played an instrumental role in my growth. Um, I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling up a text message from early on while I was there. Um Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so FCA guys is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's an organization uh, on college campuses and across campuses worldwide. You know who the disciple to, to athletes uh, on college university. Just to give you some context, of people maybe listening and they'd be like, you know, what's FCA? So you know, that's what FCA is, and that's what you know some of their mission is on campuses. Um, early on, when I, just jumping back in. Cool, cool. You're good. You're good. Early on, when uh, I was facing that adversity and injury. George knew I came from a rooted in Christ family, and um, we had had conversations, but our relationship wasn't mature yet. And when I was suffering through that injury, he hit my phone and just said, I am here to build you up when life beats you down by speaking the truth to you in love. And I've heard him say that to so many people over the past, what, seven years now that I've known the man. And every time I'm just like, wow. It just means so much more to me because I'm seeing the impact it made on me as an entryway for our relationship and how he's growing others through that as well. Um, But, yeah, so then I go into my second year, and I'm like, all right, this camp is about to be mine. I got to turn up. So uh, I go out. I make some splash plays. I had a few ESPN top ten catches in my second year. Um, I could I didn't put together a totally consistent season yet, and um, I was kind of feeling myself though. I thought I thought I had done really well. I thought okay, I need one more season to put together, and I can go to the draft. Um, <clears throat> but God had other plans. Mm. That third season comes around, and going into training camp, I fractured a vertebrae in my back. Wow! And this is where we hit a crossroads. Um. When I, when I when I fractured that vertebrae in my back, that that was literally life changing. I I had had injuries before, but I just knew something was completely different about this. And my coaches all through training camp at this point in time were just like Andre, like just looking for you to recover. Like you know we're gonna need you. We had UCLA coming up um, the year before we opened the season against them and lost by a touchdown and. Um, I had had a really good breakout performance, and then we were going back out to UCLA this time, and we were opening the season up out there, and uh, my coaches were telling me, like, we're, gonna, we're counting on you, like, got some plays in, da, da, da. and they were just trying to encourage me to play again, and I'm thinking to myself, I have a fractured vertebrae in my back, and it's not really feeling better. Yeah. Um, so long story short, I miss all of training camp. I'm 19 years old, and I kind of let – the pressure that's placed on me say, okay, like my team needs me, I'll play. Um, 
we go out to the Rose Bowl in California, and the only practice I had before that game was a walkthrough in the ballroom. Um, we go out the next day, and, I mean, I gave it all I had. Had a Toradol shot to numb the pain for the game, and I uh, gave it all I had, had a couple catches. By the time we got to the end of third quarter, I could barely walk. Um, I, I, I was just limping crazy. I, like I said, I, every time I hit the ground, it would take me forever to get up. Um, and I literally, I, I hate to tap. I, I never want to tap out of anything. Um, and, I, and I had to tap in that game. So I stopped playing. And, uh, I mean, the following week, my coach is like, are you going to be good? And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, my, my man, like I could, I could barely walk. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up sitting out the rest of that season and got surgery in October. Uh, there were a few doctors that we got opinions from. And at first, a lot of them were like, man, the way your back is fractured in this perpendicular manner, um, we can do surgery, but you're most likely not going to be usable in football anymore. Um, I heard that from like two or three doctors. And I'm like, that's not an option. It's not an option. Praying on it with my mother and my father, my sister, my whole family. And uh, there was a doctor that came, ended up coming along, Dr. Scheimer, at UVA. He's a back specialist, and he was confident. No problem. Yeah, we can put one screw in there, do it this way, minimally invasive, make it work. And uh, what will happen is you'll probably end up tearing your labrum in your hip, but you can play with the torn labrum in your hip. You can't play with a fractured vertebrae in your back. Yo. So at the moment, like, I've had a torn labrum in my hip for the past few years, but it's, it's minimal, and it's not – manageable i play with it um but yeah so wow uh that's year three going to year four coaching staff that we had that year ended up getting fired bronco mendenhall and his staff come from byu all the way over from utah to charlottesville virginia um bronco had a hell of a track record he uh, had a hundred um he had a hundred wins at at that time period, and uh, he had 100 wins at that time period in his career, and Bronco ended up being a pivotal, playing a pivotal piece in my life. Um, the the pillars that he would always share with us about being intentional, about work ethic, about things being earned, not given, um, that resonated with how I had been raised. Yeah. And when he got there, I'm like, okay, this is really going to work out. This is really going to work out great, man. Like, all I got to do is continue to heal up for my back, and uh, they'll see the work ethic, and they're going to they're gonna love me. They're going to want to play me. Um, going to training camp that year, had a good spring practice. Going to training camp that year, <laughs> spring my MCL in my knee. So here we go again with another injury. So this is your, this is your third injury? Yes. In what, in four years? In four years. So I sprained my MCL in my knee, um, and I'm just looking for answers at this point in time. Um, I had just committed to, with George, starting up a Bible study for our team, and me and a teammate, Daniel Ham, were at the helm of that. And uh, it was hard at that time because we had been doing some Bible studies, and I'm like deep in the faith, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm trying to uh, share my faith with other guys who don't have as much of a background in Christ and just trying to help them cultivate that relationship. And I'm suffering what I'm thinking is another, yet another loss. But like I said before, adversity, we can't view that as loss. Um, mm, like that. Can't view that as loss. It's opportunity. And as I moved forward from there, I had to really grow. Because I couldn't allow myself to be seen as somebody who was weary in their faith just because I, I saw I, I succumb in, in, in injury yeah. that I would just let myself fall apart and I would just uh, start forgetting about God and stop being consistent with the leadership of this Bible study. That was something that I needed to be a good steward, a, a good steward with, regardless of whatever circumstances were taking place in my personal life. I had a responsibility greater than just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so I moved forward from there. That junior year, 
I ended up coming back later in the year, only playing a few games. And again, it was lackluster. It wasn't yeah. what I had dreamed my college experience would be yeah. for football. And meanwhile, I'm watching some of my friends at these other schools. Um, my friend Dorian O'Daniel, he's winning a national championship at Clemson. Uh, like I said, my best friend Kendall Fuller, he uh, was an All-American at that point in time, three years, and then he's going to the league. I had seen Steph run it up at Maryland. He's going to the league already. And I'm just like, man, I know I'm capable. Yeah. And you're like, God, like, where's my, like, where's my shot at? Where's my chance? Yeah. Where's, where's my, my breakthrough? Shot? Yeah. Where's my chance? Um, and my dad always would send me anytime like, I face an injury, I call him, we get off a call, and I'd be kind of venting to him about how I didn't like how things went in practice, whether it be on me, whether it be how I felt like I was being treated by a coach or whatever. He would always get off the phone, Romans 818. Do not be surprised by the fiery trials that you are withstanding right now for the present. Your present sufferings can't compare to the future glory that mm. is to come in the kingdom of God. Mm. Um, and every time it would just resonate with me more and more and more, more and more and more. And it's, it's real, man. Your present sufferings just don't equate to the yeah. glory that is to come. I tell people all the time at most we have, what, 100 years here? Yeah. And then we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Yeah, yeah one of so, two. So um, <laughs> that's to be very blunt. <laughs> that's to be very yeah, blunt, yeah. but that, that is what it is. That's the hard truth. It's the hard truth. Yeah. And I think a lot of people run from that because it's not convenient. Yeah. And it's not comforting in that moment. But um, when, you, when you intentionally seek Christ, when you're intentionally in the word, the infallible truth that is spoken in God's Bible, um, it does become comforting yeah. because your spirit becomes in agreement with the word. And you start to see that, like I just said, it's not about right now. Yeah. It's about what is to come, the future glory that is yeah. to come. That's good. So one thing one thing I do want to capitalize on is like, you know, during that time period, you know, I, I think this is a, a vital point that you made and that you went through. Mm -hmm. How how were you able to continue to minister to others while you were going through because I think a lot of times people don't understand that the person who looks who's looked at as like the lead or is like the like the like the strong person they don't they don't struggle either so how are you able to to not only you know uh, say you know what God I may be going through but I'm gonna still serve you regardless of the situation hmm. that's good that's good <sighs> again I'm gonna say the word humility again but um because that's ultimately what it what it roots to. Because again, it's not about me. It's about me making change, not only for the future glory that is to come in my life, but helping others to see that same vision to help awaken their spirit so that they may see not with their earthly eyes, but that God can replace them with eyes to see the true meaning of life. Mm -hmm. um, and I just I just feel like when you're going to be a leader. When you're going to be a leader, you can't be a liar. And if, mm. if, and if I'm going to take a stand and say that I'm here to represent the kingdom of God, I cannot, I would be lying if I were to waver every time that there was a ripple in my life. Mm. I, would be, I, would, I would literally be lying because I'm not being steadfast in what I promised to take responsibility for. Um, so at this point in time, our Bible study on a consistent basis might have four guys, um, in including me and Daniel. There might be four other additional people that came to our meetings. Um, so it wasn't always a big group. Yeah. You know, um, then my senior year rolls around and I started attending a church called The Point um, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And it's a great church, Bible teaching church coming straight from the word and I hadn't really found a church home in Charlottesville. I would have Bible study. I would watch sermons online, but it's different to be in the presence of yeah. other believers and mm -hmm. really be receiving the word on a consistent basis. You're being intentional about seeking it out weekly. Um, and I really think that that helped me to elevate what I was able to bring to the table for our Bible studies and hold guys more accountable. And invite guys to church. It, it gave me another outlet. Um, 
And I started seeing more joy in my life, even mm. when things would go south, even when things would go in a direction that others would say, man, that sucks for you. No, I mean, that's just God's plan for me. That's how my mindset had become altered. He was refining me. He was changing me. He was shaping me. Um, and I was asking for that. I was praying intentionally, Lord, please change my heart so that I may be in agreement with the things that you want. Allow your will to be done. A lot of times, I mean, previously before that, I'm almost like praying like, Lord, let it be in your will. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't put something in God's yeah. will, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, man, so then from there, going into my senior year, me and Daniel were able to get like consistently before the season started, like eight, nine guys are coming. Um, and as our senior year took off, I started off the season pretty hot. Had some good some good games. Um, ended up in, finishing the season with about 700 yards on 34 catches. Uh, like led the ACC in yards per catch. It was like top five in the country in yards per catch. Um, and it was a blessing to be able to actually accomplish something yeah. that I had been working so hard for my entire life that I had envisioned my entire life um, and for it to come to fruition a little bit in that year, I was proud. I was, I was happy. Um, and I, I, like I said, that joy that I had going into the season only grew as yeah, that continued yeah. to take place. And I think it was important though, because I think it was important that I found that church though, because it shaped me before the season to be joyful already and find my joy in Christ, whereas I was seeking validation and joy previously through what I was able to accomplish in football. Mm. So mm. that that was game changing for mm. me. That's um, a that, that, that's a gem. So it's almost like it's almost like at one point I could and correct me if I'm wrong. You were almost kind of idolizing it. Oh no question. In a, in I, a sense, <laughs> yeah form of idolatry yeah. a lot of times we always talk about idolatry is um it has to be a person and yes people unfortunately in our culture we look at hollywood and a lot of these celebrities a lot of people idolize them whether it be an athlete whether it be a entertainer a singer or actor or whatever some to this day even some politicians get are idolized by um young people and other adults but um worshiping false idols can be food it yeah. can be sex it can be uh, people, it can yeah. be a sport, it can be an occupation, money, whatever. Status, status, wealth, influence, any, all that. anything. Yeah. Yes, you you hit it on the head. Um, and, and at that point in time, I had to reflect and understand, like, man, you're serving football. You're not serving God. You need to make yourself available to God more. And when I was able to make myself more available to God, I actually saw a bountiful harvest come to fruition. And what I wanted <laughs> to come to fruition, because mm, um, you put your will down, and I and then I allowed, made yourself available to His will. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Um, now I'm not. I'm not saying I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. In yeah. the sense that yeah, just that, because yeah, just because you, I'm I'm following exactly what God wants me to do, all of a sudden everything is going to work out for me, because that's not the 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 case. Um, but ultimately, that ain't it. Yeah, that ain't it. Because I think that's a misconception a lot of people have, though. Yes. No, they, they definitely do. I mean, I like you got to think about it. I, I say this all the time, and I've been saying this recently. Jesus said in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, "Father, if it be Thy will, you pass this bitter cup." He didn't want to pay full price. Mm -mm. G if Jesus didn't want to uh, pay full price. And he still had to do it. Don't you think you're going to pay full price and whatever your thing is? Absolutely. That job you don't like? Absolutely. If you want to take it even deeper, sometimes people get in marriages that, that wasn't of God, and you got to stick it through. If, I mean, if you want to do a God's will, of course. Because that's the covenant that you <laughs> yes, signed on yes. for. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's the gospel comes with definitely sacrifice. Absolutely. True sacrifice. So, you know, I really want to uh, – yes or no? Uh, I mean, for, I do want to share this real quick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Now that since we are talking about the gospel, one thing that I would always share with guys um, who had questions about Christ and um, 
my my refined vision and um, delivery of the gospel was 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 helped to be crafted by my guy George Morris at UVA, and a lot of the guys would have this question of, well, if I'm a good person, like yeah. God loves me, right? Like I'm I'm good. I'm gonna go to heaven, right? And that's the misconception again yeah. that a lot of people have. Um, I actually had a conversation with a guy today about that. And just to go in in depth as quickly as I possibly can, when revealing the gospel, we have to first understand that no person is good. By nature, from original sin, none of us are good. God is good. He's the only thing that can be good. Um, But when you go into the gospel full-fledged, we have to start in the Garden of Eden at creation. So when Adam was first created, Eve was then created from his rib. Mm-hmm. And then when we go from there, once Eve was deceived, Adam was then deceived. So then God had to banish them from the Garden of Eden because God was good and he could not be in the presence of anything that was impure. Yeah, yeah. And people miss this. People miss this. The fact that they were impure is what made them have to be banished at that point in time. Once God... God loves us so much that he wanted us to be able to be in his presence mm-hmm. once again. Therefore, he sent his only begotten son, mm-hmm. as we all know. And when Jesus walked the earth, he bore every sin. He was tempted by everything that we have all failed in. And he didn't fail. He bore those sins and he withstood the tests. And as he walked and he was still persecuted for things that he didn't even commit, he chose to die on that cross for us. He shed his blood as a pure sacrifice, mm-hmm. half man, half God. And then when he rose again, he truly, he truly proved that I am God. Yeah. We saw the glorified body. And then people had to come to realize that everything that he spoke was true. Yeah. That sacrifice and his ascension into heaven proves that through him only, we can be made clean again from the impurity that took place in the garden of Eden so that we can then once again, inherit the presence of God right. in the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of guys are like, preach about this. <laughs> a lot of guys are like, well, if I'm good, yeah. if I donate, if I'm a philanthropist, if, if I'm I, a good person, if I'm a good person, God knows like my heart. Absolutely. But you have to accept the purity mm, yeah. that is given to us in Christ. Through the grace. In Christ. A lot of people get, nowadays it's like, I'm spiritual, mm. you know. Mm. People will say God, but not Christ. So, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely glad you t- I'm glad, I'm definitely glad that you touched on that for sure. Yeah. Now, one of the things I did want to fast forward to um, is, you know, talk about, you know, some of your experiences, you know, while being in the NFL for a little bit, you yeah. know, and, you know, and, and how you maintain, you know, being a rooted, you know, young person, you know, in the league, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, the NFL is a different monster for sure. Um just socially even uh once i once i got so i was an undrafted free agent and for those who don't know like your first three years in the league as an undrafted free agent are very different than somebody who is drafted unfortunately like i said i sustained that back injury even after having a productive senior season um my once discussing with my agent he explained to me that a lot of teams had a fourth round grade on me and then once medical was disclosed they got really weary because of my back um, and they weren't really as willing to make that upfront investment, not knowing whether or not I would be able to be healthy. Um, and that's just the cards that I was dealt. So when you go in as an undrafted free agent, I mean, you're really getting it out the mud. Um, and it's an opportunity, but you, you're trying to prove that you can play, whereas by virtue of being drafted, you're proving you have to prove that you can't play. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's a little bit different. Um, but my first year, I was in Baltimore, um, was able to stay there and played a good amount of the year in Baltimore. At the end of the year, I ended up with uh, Jacksonville. And just being in those locker room settings, I learned a lot. Um, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of wisdom. Um, and at the same time, there's, there's, there's conversations that you don't, as a believer, you don't want to immerse yourself in. Um, and trying to balance that. Um, coming from being a leader 
as a as a player and as a spiritual leader where you're at you're you're still wanting to find opportunities to share the word and um at the same time balance knowing that you gotta make this team yeah um you got a job to do exactly yeah so that balance is a little bit different um the beautiful thing about it is though that you have nothing but time for football i mean i would be at the facility at 6 a.m and once meetings were done maybe at like five i mean i stay around till like eight nine o'clock just because i just love being in that atmosphere i might go get another workout in go watch film um sit in the facility and, and watch a sermon take notes um and I just I just loved having that time and solitude to to myself. Whereas in college, you know, yeah. you got class, you got to study hall, and you know, being a student athlete's no joke. But but I will say this: <laughs> the difference in college is, I mean, you're living with your teammates, you're having fun with them all the time. And once you get to the league, you might be 23, 24. I mean, some of your teammates 33, 34, 35. They got wife and kids at home. Once practice done, they run pick the kids up from school and going going home. So. A little different type of camaraderie. <clears throat> um, and then fast forward to this year, I was with the Panthers, uh, led my team in receiving in preseason, still ended up getting released. Only uh, spent a couple weeks on the practice squad, got released again. And um, it, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Being completely vulnerable and honest, I once again had to revisit the mindset that I had of where is my faith rooted? What am I serving? Who am I serving? Because I almost felt like a piece of my identity was lost once I got cut again. And I'm thinking about, man, why am I getting released? Like I had more yards, this, I, I'm looking at tape. I feel like I'm better than this guy. Da, da, da. And I'm thinking about my playing. Mm. I'm thinking about the things I had etched in stone and, this is what's going to happen. And, but that wasn't God's eternal plan for me at that time. So, again, you call it adversity, but it's an opportunity to grow. Um, and it was great. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I always try to have that mindset of, okay, this just happened. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Move forward. How do I learn from this? How do I grow from this? Again, I, I'm going to use the word refinement again. How is God refining me in this instance? Um, and again, what do I do? I open up his everlasting word and I continue to just try to grow in it and understand, Lord, what is your purpose for me? Um, again, Romans eight eighteen, understanding that my present sufferings, what I, what I see as my present sufferings don't compare so to your future glory. Exactly. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just, it, I, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in a situation right now. I got to a point where I'm like, man, do, should I even try to play anymore? Da, da, da. Um, but I'm still in a situation right now where, I mean, I, I still work out every day. I'm, I'm gonna be fit for my life. I don't, I don't care whether I'm playing football or not. But um, I'm still in a situation right now where if I get a call, I'm prepared. And um, it's just, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You're so. moving on. I mean, but you. But you're still available and still preparing yourself just in case that call comes. Absolutely. Yeah. No, nah, I definitely respect that. So, <clears throat> tell the people, you know, you know, what are you doing now? You know, some of the things you, you got going on now. Yeah. So, um, I'm I've joined a commercial real estate and private equity firm, uh, McKinsey Commercial. It's the largest uh, full service commercial real estate firm in the Mid Atlantic region. Um, had some gracious UVA alumni who had been pursuing me while I was still playing. Um, at other at other firms and just trying to get me into that field actually and uh piqued my interest and uh once i got released i came home got my real estate license in three weeks tried to get it done as soon as possible um and people continued to hit me up and i was just going to meetings and seeing how things were going and what value they could bring to me and what value i could bring to them and what would be a good fit and at the time um, I had a couple workouts with a couple teams and uh, the opportunities that were opening up for me were so advantageous that I was just like, you know what, like, I'm going to continue working out, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and move forward. I'm not going to put my life on hold for football if God is providing me with a different opportunity mm -hmm. right here. Um, <clears throat> so I've been doing that since December. 
and it's been going well, man. Um, That's good, bro. Got a lot of. <laughs> I, I was to everybody. I'll disclose. I was running late. I was running late the night with Reg because <laughs> I had some business I was taking care <laughs> of. Good, you know, man. what I'm no, saying. We all good. We all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of great opportunities that praying will come to fruition pretty soon um, that we're working on right now. Um, so it's ex- it's ex- it's exciting. Cool, cool. You know, I really, I mean, I just want to commend you because you know, throughout your journey, you know, you faced a number of adversities, but the way when I started this episode off, the way you just you know mastered the art of just you know taking a pivot, you know, mm-hmm. pivoting, pivoting. You know, you get hit, you get back up, you get hit, you get back up, and that's one thing that. When I heard your story, that's the point that I want to drive home this this episode. Just like, like the power of just bouncing back from adversity, mm-hmm. you know. So I just want to commend you, you Appreciate know, and tell you on the record that you know God's going to do exceedingly <coughs> abundantly above all that you could ever ask thing for, you know. And like you're, this is only the beginning for you. I'm telling you, just from what I know and just from what I see when I'm, you know, hearing you share. So uh, you know, this has been a great episode. Uh, but what are some parting words that you got for the viewers? You know, what's some, you know, if, if you just want to just say one last thing, what would that yeah. be? And, uh, you know, we'll just end it off like that. Uh, I just want to let everybody know, man, words that my mother shared with me um, every time that I would face some type of adversity. Can't have a testimony if you don't get put through a test. Mm-hmm. So um, when your faith is being tested, when things aren't going your way, just understand that God does love you. He is there for you. He is in your corner. It is not him pushing you into situations that you shouldn't be in. He wants the best for you, and he wants to see you succeed here on earth and in eternity. And he's guiding you into a relationship. He's guiding you into a career. He's guiding you into situations where he is present. Whenever it may feel as though, why are these things happening to me? I, I just I urge you to take a step back and instead change your mindset and understand that these things are happening to you so that you can grow and be refined by Christ. Um, that relationship should be at the forefront of everything that you have. Allow him to guide you. Understand that the the Bible is an acronym, Believer's Instructions Before Leaving Earth. It's, it's to help you be prosperous and... Um, I just pray that everybody has an opportunity once they, if they are tuned in, if they hear this message, that it just sparks uh, um, interest so that they, whether they've been a believer, whether they've strayed away, whether they are heavy and, and deep into their faith, mm-hmm. that they just continue to grow or um, it sparks a relationship with Christ and they have a opportunity to know the, their creator and who they sh- will be spending eternity with. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Dre, Game of Faith, we thank you. We appreciate Absolutely. you. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Dre, take a look at that camera for us. Uh, we appreciate yes, it. <laughs> Game of Faith, man, we out. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you. Thank you.